Oh, my God. 
Five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nahum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
Zakai ni le kaba in the shabu so 
J.M. in the A.M. Oh, I'll tell you, today's a day for the song. Well, today's a day. It's been a month of, uh, well, it's actually been a lifetime of appropriate days for Achenu, but certainly in the last month it's been appropriate to be said every single day. It's hard to believe we're coming up on the Shloshim of those who perished in the... Uh, murderous rampage and massacre of Shemini uh, Atzera Simchas Torah. Um, yeah, and our and I'm, I'm just watching this press conference now about the about those who've been kidnapped by the enemy. Heartbreaking watching these families begging the world for help hoping that their efforts will bring them home. Um, so the uh, Hebrew date of Shemini Atzeres is um, the 22nd day in the month of Tishrei. The 22nd day in the month of uh, Cheshvan is this coming Sunday night. So there'll be a lot of people commemorating the Shloshim of those who were murdered. I know, obviously, Shloshim works differently sometimes, depending on the burial, etc. I'm not getting into that. I'm just saying that, although, yeah, although generally speaking, the Shloshim does follow uh, the day of death. But anyway, that's all technical. The bottom line is they all perished in the massacre. Most of them perished in the massacre of um, the 22nd of Tishrei. 
And a lot of people this Sunday night will acknowledge the shloshim of those who were murdered by observing a uh, shloshim um, for the victims. And it's hard to believe that uh, almost a month has passed by since that time and hundreds of hostages are still being held. That's in addition to <clears throat> considering all the people and all the civilians and all the soldiers that we've lost. And of course, the thousands who've been injured, but uh, it is hard to believe that the number of hostages is is essentially around the same a month later. I know there have been some rescues, there have been some releases, I get it. Anyway, um, Israeli forces have surrounded Gaza City. Secretary of State Blinken is meeting with the Israeli officials today. The families of the Hamas hostages are holding this news conference and begging the world for help. And here we are on a Friday morning broadcast at JM in the AM. Uh, you heard Yoram Gaon Zachenu, Shomrim and Misha Berach for the Chayalim from Benny Friedman, Yiddish Nachas with the Kiddish medley that's brand new, Prok and Keladon from Mordechai Ben David, David Lowy's Tamid Ene Hashem, again a brand new selection, of course Regesh, Modani opening things up, and we say good morning. Welcome to a Friday on this third day of November, day number 19 in the month of Mar Cheshvan. The year is 5784, Tavshin Pay dollar. Today is the art site of um, our dear Rosh Hashiva Hagon of David Feinstein. Somebody that I knew, of course, as a, not only as a rabbi in Posek, but as a neighbor. Had the privilege of living in the same building as David Feinstein for um, 30 plus years. And uh, today is his yard site. And... Um, his neshama should uh, have an aliyah. And we remember him with tremendous fondness and uh, and tremendous reverence. We've had the opportunity to speak about him on the air with, with Rabbi um, Yisrael Besser and others. Many of you know how I felt about him. Uh, Friday morning broadcast, JM in the AM. And... Um, Regular Friday schedule, Harry Rothenberg and Rabbi Yudin will be on. They'll discuss Parshas Vayera. Um, Malcolm Honeline with the weekly update at about 7.40 a.m. Eastern Time here at uh, JM in the AM. Candle lighting on this Erev Shabbos, 5.30. Now, this is the last... Of the daylight time, candlelighting times, 5.30 is your official candlelighting time in New York. Make sure you know when things start where you are. In Israel, things really start early. They're on standard time, and we will be on standard time starting this coming Sunday morning. Don't forget to fall back and change the clock tomorrow night if you're in the New York area or anywhere in the United States that does go to standard time. And that'll again create a seven-hour time difference between us in the eastern part of the United States, and our brothers and sisters in Israel. All right, that's how it works, and that's what's going to happen. Simple as that. Plenty more coming up. There are uh, so many amazing, as we always say, so many amazing ways to help out financially and otherwise 
I do want to remind this audience and remind the principals and teachers out there that one of the things we learned from the Israeli soldiers that were on the air with us last week is that the letters that children, those in uh, kindergarten, those in elementary school, those in high school, letters from around the world that come to the Chayalim make a tremendous difference for them and are an amazing morale booster. They said this to us. Those of you who felt, as I did, that the that there was very little value to those letters, we were 100% wrong. So I remind all the schools, keep the letter-writing campaigns to soldiers going. That was a very sensitive time. And even as things quiet down, because now there's rumors of a ceasefire, etc., who knows what today is going gonna, is gonna to bring, because uh, between the press conference that the head of Hezbollah or speech that the head of Hezbollah is planning for this afternoon, just a couple hours from now, and the talk of a potential ceasefire for a while. Who knows how long our soldiers are going to be uh, assigned to where they are during this difficult time. So keep those letters coming. Keep the letters coming, or I should say keep them going. Keep them going to our IDF soldiers in Israel. More coming up Friday morning. It's Erev Shabbos. It's JM in the AM. behind them as the past they cherished disappeared from sight hearts torn from the home they'd never see again thrust into an exile wanderers of the night but along the she waited for her children For who else but a mother eases pain Her resting place was chosen for this reason To be that one lone space of comfort that remains so we carry our prayers to you, Mamerohe, with no more words and only tears to you, Mamerohe. Mame, you did not ask why. Mame, mame, rochel. Mame, you did not ask how. Mame, mame, rochel. But please don't hold back your tears. Let your voice be heard again. Mame, don't stop asking. 
J.M. in the A.M. with the uh, one and only Reb Shlomo Kalbach, of course, Uvoa Ovdim. A recording we are, uh, we generally don't play. We usually do the, uh, the uh, one of the other Uvoa Ovdims. That is an interesting one, to say the least, here at J.M. in the A.M. Before that, the uh, Shlomo Kalbach selection, Rav Ravin, 
from Curry Bone. Benny Friedman and Baruch Levine before that one with the Shavu Vanim. You're listening to JM and the AM. Good morning. It is, in fact, America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NahumSiegel.com on the NahumSiegel Network and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Candle lighting 5.30 in New York. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Again, officially 5.30 in New York. This will be the last of the uh, daylight time candle lighting. We're going to be sometime before 4.30 next week, believe it or not. Very early candle lighting time in Israel. If you're in touch before Shabbos with people in the Holy Land, make sure to uh, understand and realize that they're going to be starting Shabbos much earlier than usual. They're already on standard time, and we go back to a seven-hour difference between the eastern part of the United States and Israel this coming Sunday morning when we go to standard time. All right. Please keep in mind for a Rafur Shlema, Baruch ben Devora, Chaim Halevi ben Bluma, Moshe Yechiel ben Chaya Bracha, Liba Nechama. All can use Rafur Shlema Bekarov. Again, Baruch ben Devora, Chaim Halevi ben Bluma, Moshe Yechiel ben Chaya Bracha, Liba Rachama. And we continue, of course, to pray for those wounded in the thousands in Israel. We pray for our Chayalim. We pray for those who have been kidnapped, who are being held by the enemy now almost a month. As we said, Shloshim for those victims that perished in the massacre on October 7th, Shmini Atzeres. Sunday night is officially their Shloshim. Hard to believe, but time marches on, and uh, we still, as I'm watching this press conference of the families of the kidnapped, um, we still don't know the fate of uh, 99% of those who were taken, who were kidnapped, abducted, and are now being held from that day from Shemini Atzeris. Yesterday on this program, well, we had a bunch of stuff yesterday. Governor Hochul joined us from uh, Albany. Uh, made quite an impression on this audience, I must say, and well-deserved because she's amazing. She really is amazing. I mean, she's always been like this. Way before she was governor, she was like this. Um, just very menschlich, as we would say in our community. Anyway, uh, also yesterday during the program, in in a not-as-serious interview, but one that's, that's serious, uh, we featured those who are uh, raising money to send beef jerky to our troops in Israel. It is an unbelievable idea. It's a shelf-stable item. It's meat. It's delicious. And our soldiers at that age need a lot of fuel. They really do. They need a lot of fuel. So uh, Yudi Birnbaum was with us, and we were talking about the effort. Those of you who want to give, who want to fuel the soldiers, pretty simple. Go to uh, the Chesed Fund, 1S, by the way, thechesedfund.com, 1S. TheChesedFund.com slash meet for IDF. The four is the number. Meet for IDF. TheChesedFund.com slash meet for the number four IDF. Galaitzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast is next. Boker Toe from Jam in the Am. 1 p.m. newscast. הותר לפרסום שמו של חלל צהל אשר הודעה נמסרה למשפחתו, סמל ראשון איתי סעדון, בן 21, מהר חלוץ, מפקד טנק בגדוד 52, חטיבה 401, נפל בקרב בצפון רצועת עזה. יהי זכרו ברוך. 
דובר צה"ל עדכן כי מספר החטופים לעזה עומד על 241. בשעה זו משפחות החטופים והנעדרים מתייצבות בשער הקריה סמוך לכיכר החטופים כדי לזעוק אין הפסקת אש ללא החזרת החטופים. כתבנו גל ג'רסי מוסיף כי המשפחות חוסמות כעת את שדרות שאול המלך. כתבנו המדיני יניר קוזין מציין שמזכיר המדינה של ארצות הברית אנטוני בלינקן נמצא בקריאה שם נועד עם ראש הממשלה בנימין נתניהו בארבע עיניים וכעת מתקיימת פגישה מורחבת עם חברי קבינט המלחמה. בפתח הפגישה המורחבת מזכיר המדינה ומשלחתו צפו בחלקים מהסרט שהוכן על ידי דובר צה"ל המציג את הזוועות והטבח שביצע חמאס בשבעה באוקטובר. לפני כשעה הסתיימה מסיבת עיתונאים של משפחות החטופים והנעדרים בהשתתפות נשיאי העליון בדימוס אהרון ברק ודורית בייניש. בשעה זו התרעת צבע אדום בסופה. נא להיכנס למרחב המוגן. התרעת צבע אדום בסופה. מסיבת העיתונאים של משפחות החטופים קראה לצעדים משפטיים מיידיים בזירה הבינלאומית לשחרור החטופים. מטווחת כתבתנו לענייני משפט, תמר שונמי. מטה משפחות החטופים והנעדרים קרא לקהילה הבינלאומית לנקוט בצעדים מיידיים להפעלת לחץ על חמאס ועוזריהם, עיצומים כלכליים ובקשות הסגרה. נשיא העליון בדימוס ברק הצהיר, חמאס הפר את החוק הבינלאומי, צה"ל מונע פגיעה בחפים מפשע. נשיאת העליון בדימוס בייניש הוסיפה, מעשי חמאס גרועים משל דאעש, על מדינות העולם לפעול לשחרור כלל החטופים, ללא קשר לאזרחויות בהן הם מחזיקים. בשעה זו התרעת צבע אדום בניר יצחק ובחולית נא היכנסו למרחב המוגן. התרעת צבע אדום בניר יצחק ובחולית. דובר צה"ל תת-אלוף דניאל הגרי מאשים את איראן בדרבון שליחיה לתקוף את ישראל בניסיון להסיט את ישראל מעזה. איראן ממשיכה לבצע פעילות חתרנית שלילית ומדרבנת שלוחים, פרוקסי, בשמה עם אמל"ח אמצעי לחימה איראנים שהיא שולחת להם, בדיוק כמו שהיא עשתה באוקראינה, בתימן ובעיראק נגד כוחות אמריקאים, כך היא ממשיכה לעשות כנגד מדינת ישראל ומנסה להסיט אותנו מהמלחמה בעזה. אנחנו גם נדע להגיב בכל זירה או איום אם נידרש לכך. בהר הרצל הובא למנוחות. אוריה מש, תושב היישוב נריה שבבנימין, אוריה בן 42, לוחם שריון, נפל בקרבות בצפון רצועת עזה, הותיר אחריו אישה ושישה ילדים, כשהקטן שבהם בן שנה. כתבנו ביהודה ושומרון עוד בראל מוסר, שבשעה זו מובא למנוחות בהר הרצל יונתן יוסף ברנד, לוחם שריון שנפל בקרב בצפון רצועת עזה. יונתן בן ה-28 היה סטודנט לפיזיותרפיה. כתבנו לענייני החברה הערבית אדם פרג' מוסר שהלווייתו של מפקד גדוד 53, סגן אלוף סלמן חבקה, תתקיים היום בשעה שלוש וחצי. יוסי קרן, ממלא מקום ראש המועצה האזורית שער הנגב, זועק בריאיון לעידן קבלר ביומן הצהריים של גלי צה"ל, לכל היישובים שלנו חדרו מחבלים. איך אפשר לצפות מראשי הרשויות בעוטף לעשות הבחנה בין התושבים? מדינת ישראל צריכה להבין שעוטף עזה הוא עוטף עזה, ואם יש לי יישוב שהוא 7,200 מטר מהגדר, הוא עדיין עוטף עזה. מישהו מעלה בדעתו שאנשים שם עובדים, שאנשים שם מקיימים אורח חיים נורמלי? איך אפשר לצפות מראשי... ומזג האוויר בעיר עד מעונן חלקית, הטמפרטורות תוספנה להיות מעט גבוהות מהרגיל העונה. אלה החדשות.
He opens his eyes, something's wrong. He lifts up his head, he hears sirens wailing. There's smoke in the air, he can't breathe. He gets out of bed, and a rocket explodes. Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeh, Hashem been scattered chased from each country with violence and hate we're back in our land our true home but the hatred persists when will it end down the walls and searched through cold-hearted killers they tortured with glee massacre like never before the world cheers them on how can this be Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeh Hashem I'm pulling back the arrow About to snap the bow Standing at the race line Waiting for go Like thunder and lightning Right before it rains In a single moment Everything can change
your face The whole wide world's becoming your holy place Wherever I look, I only see your name In a single moment, everything will change Feels like it's 459 on a Thursday Redemption's a minute, a minute away When I get back on Monday When I get back, I'll never be the same When the chauffeur starts is blasting JM in the AM. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, candle lighting in New York at 5.30. Make sure you know when things start where you are. In Israel, very early candle lighting time because uh, they're already on standard time. We go to standard time tomorrow night here at uh, in the New York area. Eastern time zone will again be seven hours difference with Israel starting on Sunday morning. Harry Rothenberg has something to say regarding Parshas Vayera. Here he is on a Friday morning era of Shabbos. We will dedicate his words for a Rafur Shlema Bakarov to Ruchama Chana Etel Baschava, Ruchama Chana Etel Baschava. Harry Rothenberg, Vayera. Here he is at JM in the AM. God tells Avram that he's going to destroy the wicked inhabitants of the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities. And Avram immediately goes to work. He starts praying to God, pleading with him, begging him, God. Are you going to destroy the righteous along with the wicked? Suppose there are 50 righteous people there. Will you save the cities? God says, okay. What if there are 45? All right, 40? Yes. 30? Okay. 20? Yes. How about 10? Will you save them if there are only 10 righteous people? And God says, yes. But apparently there aren't 10 righteous people. And so these cities are going to be destroyed. And they were destroyed, or at least four out of five were eventually destroyed. And so we're told that God left and Avram went back to his place. Why do we need to be told that? God left. Conversation's over. Obviously, Avram went back to wherever he was going. So one commentator says that passage shows us Avram's greatness. He tried. Conversation was over. God left. And Avram accepted the decree. 
which is what we all have to do after we pray. Whatever God decides, we have to accept the decree. But what if I asked you, for whom was Avraham praying? You'd say to me, he was praying for the wicked people of Sodom. And you'd be partially right. There's more to it than that. Because Avram had a nephew, Lot, his wife's brother, so also Avram's brother-in-law, Lot was living in Sodom. So when Avram was praying, he was also praying for his brother-in-law and his brother-in-law's wife and their daughters. This was personal to Avram. And after he finished his prayers and God left, as far as he knew, it was over for them. God didn't say to him, oh, by the way, I know you're probably worried about your nephew and his family. I'm sending a second angel to rescue Lot and to give his family members the opportunity to leave. He didn't know that. And yet he accepted God's decree. Now right now, given what's going on in Israel and around the world, we've got to pray. Whatever God's going to decide, we're going to accept His decree, but we've got to pray, we've got to beg, we've got to plead. So how do we focus our prayers? I went to shul the Shabbos after the initial attacks, and the rabbi asked the following questions of the congregation. How many people lost a loved one last week? Nobody raised their hand. He said, how many people have a loved one who was taken captive? Nobody raised their hand. He said, how many people have a loved one who's in the army about to go to war? A few people raised their hands. He said, you know what the problem is? I hate to say it. The problem is that every single person in shul should have raised their hand to all three questions. Because when we pray, we say, Achenu kol beis Yisrael. All Jews are brothers and sisters. So when we pray, we have to imagine that that captive is our brother. That that soldier is our sister, our son, our daughter. We have to feel that we lost a loved one when we're praying to comfort the mourners. And when we're praying for the people who are wounded, we have to pray as if we have a loved one. Because we do. Who is wounded. That will focus our prayers. Like Avram when he was praying. Whatever God's decree is going to be, we're going to accept it. But we have to pray and pray and pray that those mourners get comforted, that the captives are returned safely, that the wounded heal, and that every single soldier is protected and is successful. They need our prayers. And it's personal for us. Mi 
JM in the AM. We've been playing a lot of that medley. Songs of Soldiers. Some of the songs that are so meaningful to our soldiers as they sing and others sing for them during these last few weeks in the Holy Land. Yechiel Shron with Mika Amcha before that here at JM in the AM. And uh, Shalshelas had Micha Mocha after uh, Harry Rothenberg presented his uh, Devar Torah here at JM in the AM. Friday morning broadcast. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Candle lighting in New York, 530. Many synagogues, um, well, I shouldn't say that. That's not really true this time of year. No one's really beginning earlier. Uh, but what I do want to say is that uh, no matter where you are on the globe, make sure you know when your candle lighting is. The 5.30 that we're announcing is for New York City. Again, candle lighting in New York City, 5.30. Make sure you know when things start where you are. And in this area, remember, next week's going to be much, much earlier. Much earlier. We'll be on uh, standard time. And we'll be back to a seven-hour difference between uh, the eastern part of the United States and the state of Israel. So keep that in mind. JM and the AM, good morning. Malcolm Holmline coming up. We'll do our weekly update. There's a lot going on. Nasrallah is scheduled to speak. Whole world seems to be waiting for that with bated breath. That's happening at 9 a.m. Eastern time. Uh, he's the leader of Hezbollah, as many of you know. So we'll see what he has to say. And um, all these rumors about pauses and about... Um, about ceasefires and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. We'll discuss all of that with Malcolm coming up. This portion of NSN programming brought to you by our friends at A&H. Abel's and Hyman makes traditional kosher delicacies, pastrami, corned beef, salami, and more. Old world classics, beef fry, kishka, and more. And modern, better for you kosher products, including no nitrate added, reduced fat, and reduced sodium hot dogs, plus many other unique items. Visit the website at kosherdogs.net. Try A&H today. Take a 10% discount with promo code radio at kosherdogs.net. And again, try A&H today. You'll be glad you did. They are amazing, and they're delicious. I don't know how they do. Oh, I did notice that. Last night, I noticed in our fridge two A&H salamis. I don't know how they survived, frankly. <laughs> Usually when they get into the house, they're gone pretty quickly. But I did notice that. we may. Uh, I may utilize a couple of those... Uh, salamis for for kiddish tomorrow shabbos morning i might just do that yeah i have to strategize about that but i'll uh, i'll hold off till tomorrow today's the art of david feinstein the great rosh hashiva and torah giant who i had the privilege of living in the same building with for 30 plus years or of david feinstein's yard site is today uh, i wanted to make sure to mention that also today, um, well, no coincidence for those who are uh, making a seum in memory of the Rosh Hashiva or of David Feinstein. You have a golden opportunity today if you study Dafyomi because Dafyomi uh, wraps up Meseches Kiddushin today. Mazal tov to all who are studying and are completing Meseches Kiddushin. Hatzlacharabah, the best of luck to those who are beginning Meseches Babakama this coming Shabbos, starting tomorrow. Bubba Kama, page two. Every tractate begins on page two, as many of you know. So, um, again, Mazal Tov on Kiddushin, on Bubba Kama, as Dafyomi uh, completes another Seder, not just another Masechta, not just another tractate, but another complete order of the Talmud. There are six orders to the Talmud. Uh, 
Another one is now complete in the study of Dafyon. Basically halfway, basically halfway um, through the um, through the Shas for those who are studying Dafyomi Kol HaKavod. Certainly well-deserved. All right, um, Malcolm Honeline coming up. Plenty happening here on a um, Friday morning broadcast at JM in the AM as we continue. And um, Tali Yes has this Yom Zeli Yisrael at JM in the AM.
Friday morning broadcast. Candle lighting 5.30 in New York on this Erev Shabbos Parshas Vayera. Make sure you know when candle lighting is when you are. Keep in mind a six-hour difference now between the Eastern time zone and Israel. That'll change uh, Sunday morning when we go to standard time. It'll be, again, a seven-hour difference between us and the Holy Land. Uh, don't forget our friends at jewishworldreview.com. If you're looking for thousands of articles about Israel and the Jewish world to print out before Shabbos and become even more educated, just when you thought you've read it all, you can become more and more educated about what's happening during these times. Uh, all you got to do is go to Jewish World Review, check out the articles, print out what you wish, and continue to be informed as our next guest always encourages. The more information, the more facts people have, the better off we are. Malcolm Honline is vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations with us Fridays for a, the weekly update here at JM in the AM. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you. It's good to be back again. Very eventful weeks and days and hours, sometimes minutes, but uh, difficult time. Yeah, no question about that. It's funny how just as this era of uh, advanced technology, the era we're in now, this much advanced, just as it was dawning, uh, you and I had spoken years ago about what it's going to do about the speed of everything that's going on. And it is, as you say, literally up to the minute. Sometimes things turn within seconds, and it's sometimes very scary to watch and be part of. But it does, in fact, keep us on our toes the latest from the Middle East is that many people are waiting with anticipation as the leader of Hezbollah is scheduled to make a public appearance and speak about the current war in one hour and 15 minutes from now. Um, I know that Israeli television has decided not to broadcast it live, 
Part of the psychological terror, they believe, that he and the enemy continues to uh, aim at Israel. So they've decided not to air it, but obviously they'll be reporting on what he says. Uh, What do you think of this bravado of announcing a public appearance, uh, Nasrallah speaking, and do you have any clue what he might or may not say? Well, I wouldn't describe it necessarily as a public appearance because I don't think he's going to do it before a live audience, as far as I know. Uh, at least they haven't described the audience. Uh, he lives as he should as a rat in a hole uh, because he doesn't mind sacrificing the life and the lives of both Lebanese and his own uh, Hezbollah uh, terrorists. But he himself lives in seclusion because he's out of fear that he will be targeted. And so his words today are going to be important to see if there's an indication that they're going to ramp up their involvement, you know, they have fired missiles, they have taken lives of Israeli soldiers, they've tried to um, have incursions across the border of various kinds, but we have seen a real onslaught that we believe Hezbollah is capable of with 150,000 missiles there, many of them with advanced guidance systems and uh, often with larger payloads than some of what we've seen from the South on the individual rockets. And the fact that they have 150,000 uh, and could launch several thousand a day, uh, which would uh, could overwhelm the, uh, the defense systems, both the Arrow and the um, Iron Dome and David Sling. So his everybody is going to be studying his words to see what, what he indicates um, that they're going to do. I spoke, uh, I mean, I spoke earlier today with Ariel Kahana. You know him well, responsible member of the media, has been with us on JM the M. His theory is that, um, or his guess, educated guess, is if he hasn't gotten into the war till this point, right, we're about to hit a month, if Nasrallah hasn't uh, engaged with Israel until this point, the likelihood is that he will not engage starting from now. Do you agree with that? I think it's a legitimate argument that uh, he has not fully engaged. That was my point. And, and, and what they've done may be what he thinks is the minimum required. As you know, Hamas leadership have made fun of them and ridiculed them. And he, in turn, ridiculed the, the leadership of Hamas living in Qatar in luxury, while the people in in Gaza itself obviously uh, are suffering under the uh, circumstances that their leadership created. Uh, so they, the fact that you have them mocking each other and insulting each other was something. So he may feel the need to do this, to have a verbal assault on Israel. They know the price that they will pay. And I'm not sure, it, it, and it depends on what Iran is willing to pay. They don't want to see Hezbollah destroyed at which could well happen. And the Lebanese people are tired of Hezbollah. They paid a heavy price for them being there and for their tolerance of them. They, um, you know, the economy is in ruins. They they take over people's homes. Many of the houses in in southern Lebanon have, you know, a dining room, living room, and rocket room. They they use human shields. They they use the cover of the being of civilian houses. So Nasrallah is. Um, is, is maybe doing this in order to legitimate his the position he's taken till now. He can use verbal violence to substitute for real violence. 
because the the people in Lebanon don't want them to do it. And they know the retaliation this time will be different because last time Hezbollah was not the government or in the government. Now they are the government, essentially. And so every target is a legitimate target, that which was not the case at the last war. Now, also, you know, their capabilities are great. They can stimulate attacks from Syria, from Iraq. They, and, of course, they're tied to the Houthis as well. So we, Israel hopes to be able to limit this to one major front with the being on full alert. There are 100,000 soldiers in the north. There are uh, all sorts of capabilities, including Iron Dome. And, of course, you have the presence of the fleet and the aircraft carriers right off the coast of Lebanon. And that has to be a deterrent because the firepower there is very great. You know, the, the number of planes doubles Israel's air force when you take the two aircraft uh, carrier groups together um, that hopefully will deter, you know, any kind of physical escalation. It's interesting that Hamas criticizes leadership of Hezbollah for staying out because th- there are rumors that Hamas's uh, massacre plan actually was came from a blueprint by Hezbollah. And someone told me that, and I, don't know, I don't know if you can authenticate this, someone told me that the, that the real fear up north uh, and the reason that Israel evacuated so many cities at the very north of the country was not out of fear of uh, Nasrallah, was more out of fear that Hezbollah might imitate Hamas taking their own meaning, taking Hezbollah's blueprint and God forbid carry out or try to carry out similar massacres as went on a month ago. Have you heard anything like that? Well, certainly, because they've been probing for much more than a month or, or longer. They try to cross the border. They've had hang gliders. Uh, they've had, um, you know, shootings. They they've, they have the tunnel infrastructure, much of which was detected, some of which may not be detected. That's a major concern. I've been in those tunnels. They are so sophisticated and so uh, frightening. And because they are, they're, they're done sort of as a spiral. It's not that they build across until they get down and then they go across. So it's much harder to detect it. Uh, you know, you can probe for a regular tunnel and all you have to do is hit it at some point. Here, it's only the narrow area of the actual, you know, spiraling staircase down and then it goes across. Second, uh, the, the, the all of this comes from the same source, the training. The plans all comes from Iran. IRGC officials and trainers were in Gaza and were working with Hezbollah. The meeting between Hezbollah, Hamas, and is uh, that took place with the Iranians um, a couple months ago was probably tied to this. And they so when you say that they could replicate anything that that Hamas has, Hezbollah has plus much more because they were the main and beneficiary of. Iranian terror money and and support and their infrastructure is big. They are present in many countries, including in South America and maybe in America. And they are, uh, uh, I think, a more virulent threat than Hamas is. Uh, Did you hear that his speech today is likely going to be in Persian as opposed to Arabic? I don't know if he normally speaks Persian when he speaks publicly, but have you heard that? Have you heard anything like that? Because there, I've not heard that. That wouldn't make much sense. I think it'll be translated into Persian. Well, there are people but, uh, conjecturing as a, as an homage, so to speak, to Iran that he would deliver the speech in Persian. But that's you know, again, 
all these things we hear, who knows what's true, who knows what's not. All right, I'll do this in a whole, you know, in, in a whole package here because uh, I think it'll be easier to to ask you for an answer if I put it all together. Um, Secretary of State has landed in Israel, meeting with Israeli officials as we speak. The President of the United States, at least according to American news sources, is uh, is continuing his efforts to encourage a pause for humanitarian aid and maybe other. Uh, considerations as well in terms of the hostages of Prime Minister Netanyahu. And there are rumors, at least according to news sources like the New York Times, I don't know if they're reliable or not, that the Prime Minister himself is considering some type of significant ceasefire. I don't know if significant means time-wise or or, or, um, or uh, weapon-wise, but some type of significant ceasefire, which you, you need to address in your answer if that would be political suicide for him because we know the attitude of the country. You know, we've both been there and we've spoken to people and you know that there would be a tremendous outrage if things stopped now. What could you tell us about the U.S. involvement, their statements, and a potential ceasefire? So, uh, I mean, the U.S. Has, uh, has remained committed at the United Nations and other places, uh, but this talk of not of a ceasefire. They're talking about a humanitarian pause. There's a difference. A ceasefire means that everybody puts the weapons. A pause could mean, you know, three, four hours where um, the trucks are allowed in or other assistance or mostly getting people out, which is what I think the administration is under pressure because there's several, there were were a couple hundred Americans I think got out uh, so far or, or perhaps even under 100. And there are estimates of up to 400 amongst the residents, or maybe even more. I've seen a number as high as 1,000 in Gaza. So um, I think that the president perhaps need, feels the need to balance the, the full-throated support that he's given, the fact that we have the aircraft carriers there, and that the aid package of $14-plus billion dollars, uh, is working its way through Congress. It was passed by the House uh, yesterday with an overwhelming vote. But the Senate has other plans, so I'm not sure that this bill, the bill in this form, or the aid in this form, will be passed. Uh, it, they want to tie it to aid to Ukraine because they know that that otherwise would not get through. And uh, there's also money there for security on their southern border, and the money would be made up. They said from the 72,000 agents that the IRS was going to hire, uh, according to legislation that was passed last this past year. Uh, so. The, the question first is the definition of what, what it is that's being asked. I'm sure right. the Secretary of State is going to be pressing BB about it. And BB has very limited options here. You know, his popularity uh, has uh, sunk very low. Uh, he is very concerned about retaining the support of the people for the war effort, even besides his own political uh, asper- uh, situation. And the the message that it would send also, if if allowed, they will move use the terrorists will use this opportunity to reposition themselves to move around equipment to be able to go through the tunnels which Israel has successfully been targeting over the last days and hitting many of them. And if you saw some of the videos, mm-hmm. they showed them that they're like sixty meters underground wow. that you have to. They, they go all the way down, and there's a video of a reporter, a foreign reporter who was permitted to, to go in there and to do it because they want, the, you know, again, they want to instill fear. They want to show what they've accomplished. They want to I- intimidate 
by virtue of it. And that's why Israel has asked that people not share a lot of the videos and things that the terrorists are putting out because it's, uh, you know, it, it scares people, it, it intimidates them. And uh, for terrorism, because it instills terror in people. The, the And the unknown is the biggest terror in this case, in most cases. So when, when what we'll hear today will be very important. I know there's no press conference after meeting the prime minister and meeting the war cabinet. Uh, there was supposed to be some press availability after his meeting with the president Herzog. Uh, and uh, so we'll learn a lot more about what, what this visit would yield. They also, I think, are talking about the day after to try to create some sort of a mechanism that if, if Hamas is really destroyed, you can't just leave a vacuum and Israel doesn't want to stay in as an occupier or they have no territorial aspirations. They, they want nothing from this except the security and safety of their people. But to allow Hamas to emerge in some form after this as the government of Gaza would be a defeat. So that, I think, is the other issue on the agenda. And, of course, that would replicate what's happened in 2009, in 2014, et cetera, et cetera. That's essentially what we had, right? We had a a, a, a a very bruised and very wounded Hamas, but one that stayed in power in Gaza. Right. And, yeah. and then could rally the people and say, look, we, you know, we survived. Look how many people we killed, how many lives we took. And, uh, and you know, then they're, they're indifferent to the lives of their people. They've extolled death. Parents celebrate when their children get killed and, and carry out as long as they kill the Jews in the process. Uh, everything you're saying, unfortunately, is so right and so true. And we should, of course, acknowledge the soldiers who uh, were taken from us this week by the enemy. Uh, the pr- the price is very painful. The price for the for our brothers and sisters in Israel very painful. Some of the stories are even more difficult to take, especially when so many Americans are familiar with some of the families that are suffering at the moment. I, of course, I'm thinking of uh, Padaya Mark, whose father was killed in a terrorist attack, and many many people in this audience through Yeshiva Torah Shraga dealt with his father over the years, who was a wonderful person. I knew him. And, of course, now his son is one of the victims. Imagine what their family's going through. And we also have to recognize Private Ori Megadish. Do you, do you have any de- – I mean, I know that you know the movie hasn't come out yet. I get it. But have you heard anything about how, how they rescued her, how Israeli forces were able to get her out? I've heard rumors, but, frankly, it's, it's better unsaid because you have a lot of other hostages and whatever yeah. means they use. The time will come for – you know, talking about those details, this is not it. No, I hear that. All right, you got to address the airport incident and the JCC uh, being vandalized in the same city. In in what is Russia or not Russia, you will tell us exactly how that works. I know it's a complicated geography in that region of the world. The episode is very familiar to most people. They've seen the videos of mobs trying to find Jews who rumor had it uh, were landing in the airport uh, from Israel. What could you tell us about that very scary episode? Well, it's a Muslim population. It's a Shiite uh, often, and they are radicalized like many others. You know, the, there are areas in Russia like Chechnya and, and uh, others that, that, you know, have populations that are influenced by Iran and that have the, that pose a real challenge to Putin too. I discussed this with him 20 years ago, 30 years ago, and made the case that, you know, he faces this. And he said, 
we in Israel are the only one, this is even before he was prime minister, he was head of the KGB, and he recognized the fact that we in Israel are the only ones who face this every day inside our borders, the dangers of the radicals, um, et cetera. So now, of course, he's he's doing everything to to just assure his own political future, and uh, the burden, the the war he's he is uh, directly engaged in. Uh, we were very disappointed by not disappointed, but uh, angered by the um, comments that has made as far Minister Lavrov made the, the meetings with Iranian officials in Moscow and with Hamas officials uh, in Moscow, and this is. Uh, you know, the um, uh, very dangerous and, and expressing support with, uh, he, he did modify after the attack, some of his comments, uh, Putin, but uh, not not uh, reflective of the relationship that was supposedly in existence. They, the, so these people found out that a, a Red Sky plane, which is a derivative airline of uh, from Russia, uh, was landing from Israel and they brought hundreds of people, came to the airport, broke through all the security barriers and lines. And in fact, because of it, the plane was diverted, but they knew where it was diverted to and they showed up there as well. Oh my gosh, that I didn't know. With blood in their eyes, they checked every single car leaving the airport and had people had to produce their passports to show that they weren't Israeli. So you know what they would have done had they found an Israeli or I guess even somebody Jewish. Right. They they eventually dispersed the police dispersed it took control of it, and the people were uh, allowed to go. Uh, it doesn't bode well for the future there for the Jewish community, which is not that large, um, but it could spread to the other stuns. You know they have a lot of stuns. In fact, the history of the Jews in, in Central Asia is a really very glorious one in places like Azerbaijan, Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan where Jews have lived for 20,000 years and literally little anti-Semitism, and many Jews were taken in. Uh, remember, these were Soviet republics then during World War II, about 250,000 in Uzbekistan, uh, about 100,000, I think, in, in Kazakhstan, and 60,000 in, in um, Azerbaijan. And they, you know, when you can walk with a yarmulke in the streets and nothing happens, you can, uh, they have Jewish schools there. So it's, um, but Dagestan is is a much more unique uh, situation and it's a small place uh, with a radicalized population and Iranian influence permeates the whole area. And people don't, don't realize, you know, how far the tentacles reach. In general, whatever level of um, violence has been manifested by the level of hatred in recent years. You know, we, we know what's happened in Europe. You know, the, 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 the atmosphere there has led to attacks on Jews. The atmosphere there has been, has led to, you know, people have mezuzahs on their door actually being attacked. I mean, we've seen that. And obviously what, what you just described is, you know, something we can't relate to. Thank God, a mob coming literally wanting to, you know, to hang Jews. But here in the United States, Malcolm, and I know we addressed part of this last week, um, it, it is getting scary how much more vocal 
violent and impatient the other side is getting when Jews are around, whether it means surrounding Jews on campuses and making them feel very uncomfortable. Obviously, the cases of you know Jews being locked in uh, libraries, etc. We addressed that last week, but we are just we're we're getting concerned. We keep saying you know hey we're going to turn into Europe. It looks like we're going in that direction where if someone is caught, a Jew is caught in a you know a difficult circumstance. God knows. What could happen at this point? Now, I know that government officials, law enforcement, etc., public safety in this country, we rely on them a lot, and we're hoping that they're able to stem the tide on all this. But can you give us a reassuring word that it might be different still here than in other parts of the world? Well, I think it is different. Um, for instance, the polls show the overwhelming support. And uh, and as you said, the officials, the law enforcement, there were special meetings going on about anti-Semitism. The administration launched all sorts of programs. Department of Education met with the Jewish leaders to talk about how to improve the situation on the campuses and to, to uh, the pressure that he's receiving to invoke Title VI. Uh, we'll have lawsuits where we have a chance in, in many courts to really get at the universities and others who, for their negligence, for endangering Jewish life. But there is a very disturbing trend. This is not what we saw in it. And it moved in there, but it had to be quiet today. It no longer has to be quiet. And people, because students on campuses, you know, march and carry signs and say all sorts of terrible things about Jews. Often they're wearing masks, which is a sign of how courageous they are. <laughs> Uh, and, and especially after some law firms started retracting their offers to, to law students on some of the campuses. And then all of a sudden these kids say, oh, no, it wasn't me. I didn't know. I didn't know what I signed. I didn't read it. I didn't, you know, it's college educated, but he can't read a piece of paper. Uh, and also the fact that businesses are saying we're not going to hire. And, and it's easy enough because people take movies of these uh, demonstrations and some of them more virulent uh, demonstrators who have engaged in physical violence to go around tearing down the signs of the hostages. That's on the minor side, but have also surrounded Jewish students have, you know, at the library, they claimed that the door was not locked at Cooper mm. Union. It was not. But the fact is that instead of saying, we're going to take care and get rid of the, the demonstrators that people are threatening, they tell the Jewish students to go into to uh, a hiding. situation where they're uh, hiding and don't mm. come out of your dorms or don't do things. That's not the answer to this. And we're going to see a shift in what universities to which Jews go. I, I had calls from parents all the time, it long for a while, but now intensely, who are in New York universities, NYU, Columbia in particular, right. where the feeling, let alone Cooper Union, after the events there. But, but you know, when you see the Brooklyn Bridge last Shabbos and the, you know, the, the protest that, that spilled from Crown Heights, to the bridge and then into lower Manhattan. And you, and you hear about what's supposed to happen tomorrow. There's supposed to be a massive demonstration in Washington. Again, you and I discussed whether some of this stuff is unprecedented because you did tell us that in public places like Times Square, there have always been, you know, free Palestine rallies at different points in the last 30, 40 years, which I get, but it just seems it's ramped up to a rhetoric and a heat that is hotter than ever. And that God forbid, if a Jew is walking through a certain neighborhood in, even in New York and New Jersey, forget about other parts of the country that, are, that might be less tolerant or might be more violent, uh, they're, they, they could be taking their life into their hands. And that's, you know, that's really scary for these times. It's very scary for any times, particularly now, because people translate 
their threats, the deeds, and the, the language of violence always leads to deeds of violence. And we are seeing the deeds of violence. It's a over 300% increase in the anti-Semitic attacks, they say. We know that the bulk of people, American people, reject this, that they still stand in support of Israel. The fact that in, not, in Congress we have more than 90% support in both houses is a reflection of it. But we see shifting even on that and in the media, which when you have places like NPR and others with their one-sided horrific coverage, always making the case against Israel with very little balance. And the the, the rhetoric that you referenced is changing and, and that they feel freer to engage in open threats, yep. you know, from the river to the sea means yep. the destruction right. of Israel. You, you know, it's a clever way to do it because they can hide behind some a slogan. But yeah. in fact, and 90 percent of them don't even know what it means. But OK. And many of them don't know the situation. I always wanted to go with a map <laughs> uh, and to say, just show me where Gaza is. I guarantee you the vast majority could. But there was a, a guy who was doing a, a poll about and he's saying it was okay, but he asked students um, to do that. Would they support a petition that Hamas should take over Gaza? Uh, the Palestinians, and everybody, these kids were all saying, yes, yes, we're for it, for it. And he said, well, let me read you some, and he, to each of them, he said, I, I have to read you first, you know, the, the notes on it, what it says, and they would say, uh, the rights of women are suspended, the, and go through all of the practices of Hamas. <laughs> and, and one by one, the students say, oh, no, I don't support that, I don't support that, that the death to infidels, if you're a Christian, a Jew, or a, uh, or a Muslim who believes otherwise, that they can kill you. No, no, I don't believe that. And, and he just showed that they had no idea what Hamas really represents and what the, these movements stand for. Speaking of Congress, by the way, what was your reaction when the House on Wednesday uh, did not censure uh, Rashida Tlaib? I mean, there were some Republicans who did not vote to censure her. There were some Democrats who, frankly, I don't know, you know, who are very, very close friends of Israel that I thought would vote otherwise. What do you think of that whole thing? Well, uh, I, I mean, obviously, I'm very disappointed about the outcome, and that um, you know the the fact that the, it came close, but you know, close doesn't matter in these instances. Right. And the, uh, the you know the it, the thing about you know collegial something or the other in Congress where people are reluctant to engage in it because some of the people who voted for her immediately came out and criticized her right. because, um, uh, you know, they, they said it was a matter of free speech and we don't, I'm a free speech advocate and therefore I voted that way. And certainly some of the Republicans, I think fit that category, but it's disappointing when you have somebody who engages in that kind of rhetoric and that kind of direct attack on the Jewish people on Israel there has to be some consequence in in public rallies, by the way, not in a political arena where she's making a statement from the floor of the, of the house, but in public rallies and demonstrations that are calling for Israel's destruction. And it's incitement, no different than January 6th. Uh, uh, you know, that, right. that if people are held to account right. for the threats that they pose when you were, when you're inciting violence. And as you said, there are going to be big demonstrations in Washington. There will be a big demonstration, Jewish demonstration, next week in in washington november 14th and i hope everybody will start to work on it and and there is november 6th in new york 
Um, you have details on those two? We need details on those two. Yeah, so the one on, in New York is going to be on November 6th in the evening, in the late afternoon, I think 5 o'clock. I don't know the exact time. Uh, on the west side, near 86th Street in Central Park West or 84th Street in Central Park West. And the one in Washington will be November 14th at 1 p.m. Uh, on the in, in near the Capitol or at the Capitol, and hopefully there will be a, sh- a showing that will dwarf the one that will be taking place in um, the, this this weekend in Washington. It's a chance to show the world where we stand, and I hope that every community will mobilize and support these events. Everybody calls me and says, you know, why don't we have it? Why don't we have it? We find and we pushed hard for it for a long time. Now we have it, and let's see people now take the responsibility to make sure that this is, we're not asked to go to a front, we're not asked to pick up weapons when we go, we're asked just simply to get a ticket and go down there, organize buses, take planes, trains, whatever means to be at these um, at these manifestations. All right, I'm glad you mentioned that. The 6th of November, which is a Monday, folks, that's uh, this coming Monday, um, obviously tune in Monday morning. We'll give you all the details. And the 14th of November, when I think we might be broadcasting from Israel, but certainly we'll encourage everybody on this side of the world to get to Washington and make that a massive showing 1 p.m. at the Capitol in Washington. Again, I'm sure Malcolm will, over the weekend, uh, send me uh, further details, and I'll let the audience know early next week. Uh, what's the, what is, I'm going to ask you what the exact situation is. I don't think anybody can answer that question, but what is now going on at the crossing to Egypt? Are all American citizens uh, being allowed to leave Gaza? Uh, Does this include those who are abducted and are also American citizens? What, what is happening right now? It does not include hostages uh, that were taken from Israel. This is right now residents of Gaza who have dual citizenship, American and otherwise. Uh, so they opened up the Rafa crossing. They can only process a small number of people every day because uh-huh. of capacity. So they are there's a big backlog of people, but the, uh, there was a, a significant number. I think the first day there weren't many Americans. I think after that, I heard there was a sharp increase in the number of, of Americans who were processed. And the... Um, uh, in total, I think there are a couple thousand people of, with dual citizenship. Some don't want to leave. They have families there and others uh, that have been waiting near the border with Egypt for some time, hoping that the opportunity would be open for them to get out. And uh, they are being processed. Supposedly, there is some process to weed out the terrorists who will certainly hide amongst them, as they always do, and put civilians in danger. But the, the the so this process is ongoing. It unfortunately does not include any of the hostages. You know they found one soldier since uh, during the past week, and uh, you know they're getting into the tunnels. They're getting into the areas that are the uh, that they've cut Gaza in half, dividing the north and the south. They've surrounded Gaza City, uh, where a lot of the leadership is and have been operating out of. The tunnel network, as I we mentioned before, is so impressive uh, uh, how much they invested, which is why they don't have shelters, why they don't have more hospitals, why they don't have facilities, because all the money went into building these elaborate tunnels and the whole network that underlies much of Gaza City, part of Gaza itself. And uh, by the way, people should also know 
when you hear these lies and distortions that Israel cut off the electricity, Israel cut off the water, Israel gives less than 10% of the water into Gaza. They had three pipelines. The, the, the Hamas blew up two of them. Oh, God. Israel re- rebuilt one. There are 10 lines of electricity that go in from Israel. Hamas destroyed nine of them. The, the, the fuel, there are a million liters of fuel sitting in, in, in Hamas's hands. And you see the stories, there, there are reports even today, uh, I don't know if they're out yet, yeah, but they will be out showing recordings of hospital officials complaining that the, how Hamas takes away their fuel and, and, and has the control over it. They also take the food, they, they, you know, they raided UNRWA storehouses, but it was Hamas that did it. And they can't keep it. They don't give it to the people. And so I could you go through all of the charges that are against Israel. You know, they don't have shelters there because all the shelters are, are tunnels that are being used by the terrorists. And, and the, you know, they don't care about the, what happens to the people. Unbelievable. As the uh, Secretary of State is now meeting with the President of Israel, on the streets, I believe in Tel Aviv, are the... Um, are the families of the hostages who are just pleading in uh, a rally and demonstration right now that um, that somehow someone figures out how to get them home. And by the way, if you wonder about the depression, and I'm not using the term clinically in Israel, just imagine that there's now a Knesset committee of how to deal with the orphans of October the 7th. Um, Do you know the Nachum that there are 20-some orphans under the age of 18 lost both parents and another 20 from 18 to 24 96 young people lost at least one parent and the numbers are still growing because there are a lot of unknowns and let alone the hostages so the burden and what what will be entailed and what israel is doing now to to help give funding and daily allocations and to the and finding places to relocate tens and tens of thousands of people and it's you know there's a limited number of hotels there's a limited number of facilities people are opening their houses their apartments to refugees from the south and the north and it's an amazing demonstration of Abad Yisrael and it's it's manifested in so many ways if you want to have to watch any film watch the films of the army bases all along the south and some in the north where you see Haredim every day going up with cars and trucks, bringing them food, making barbecues for them, dancing with them, giving them chizuk. You know, the, the army so, uh, soldiers asked for 200,000 pairs of tzitzis that even guys who did not wear them before understand. And, and there's so many wonderful things happening. And of course, at a time like this, it's hard to get attention to them. Yeah. On the uh, political front or government front, Jack Lew is now officially ambassador from the United States to Israel. And uh, Malcolm, join me in wishing a mazal tov to Iran, who now chairs the United Nations Human Rights Council Social Forum. That is true. And if you remember, I, I uh, did make reference to it a couple of months ago when they got elected or not were nominated for it. And uh, they're also sitting on the Rights of Women Committee of the United Nations, one of the leading abusers of women and, and denier of the rights of women. You see the hypocrisy of the UN, and it's it's consistent. It's visible all the time. The remarks of the Secretary General, which we try to walk back, were absolutely unacceptable and and uh, unforgivable to me. the The whole establishment of the United Nations is is geared 
to the persecution of Israel with more resolutions against Israel than all the other countries in the United Nations each year. Uh, and the, the, you know, the references that they make are, are the debates are just unbelievable. And thank God the United States, some European countries, but very disappointingly, France voted uh, with the uh, Arabs and the supporters of terrorism last week. Unbelievable. Malcolm, as you know, as you know from the Parshio, so we're reading now, God gives us a lot of challenges, to say the least. But he doesn't want an Akeda from us. He didn't want it from Abraham Avinu. It was a test to see how Jews, to teach the leaders of the Jewish people, the progenitors, the value of life, not of death. We, they, Our enemy extols death. We extol life. They celebrate when their own children die, let alone when they could kill other our children. We go out of our way even for the life of a, of a terrorist to take them to a hospital and treat them uh, in the same places where some of their victims are. And there's a picture circulating just today about that. Ugh. So it is the difference between us. And that's what we're fighting for. It's for few, It's not just for today. It's for future generations. It's a war for America, for Western values. This is a war about life. And, and people better understand its true significance. Yeah, well, as they say, it's about life, and frankly, it really is the existential war that we never, ever thought would happen. We always talked about it in theory. We talked about it hypothetically, and now so many are saying that this is literally the replay of 75 years ago, Israel's war of independence. Malcolm, I thank you. Have a wonderful Shabbos. We'll speak again next week. I'm going to be in Fifth Avenue Synagogue this Shabbos for people who want to come tonight or tomorrow. I'll be speaking there and look forward to seeing the listeners. Good luck with that. Fifth Avenue Synagogue, if you're in the area, folks, and sometimes I'm shocked by how many people come to Manhattan for various reasons for a Shabbat. Malcolm at Fifth Avenue Synagogue, you're invited tonight and tomorrow to hear him and to ask him questions face-to-face about the current situation. Friday morning broadcast, JM in the AM on this Erev Shabbos Parshas Vayera. Candle lighting time at 5.30 on this Erev Shabbos. Again, 5.30. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Don't forget, the uh, we are back to a seven-hour difference between the eastern part of this country and Israel starting Sunday morning when we change the clock and go to standard time. Right now, it's a six-hour difference for today. So candle lighting really early in Israel today. And... Um, what can I say? If we're not if we're not at all a drop or more despondent about the situation, then we need to check what our attitude is to our brothers and sisters in Israel. They are going through a really, really challenging time. And I've said this a million times since the start of the war and certainly while we were there. Uh, it is difficult, and as the days go on, it becomes in many ways more and more and more difficult, especially for those refugees in the hotels, especially for those waiting for their family members to uh, to come back from their abduction, from their kidnapping, especially as they are caring for their wounded, especially as they can't sleep at night because their chayalim, uh, their sons, uh, their daughters, their relatives are on the front lines. It's a lot of tension, and we need to remember that, and we need to continue in every way possible to keep them in mind and to be in touch with them. This time each every Friday, every era of Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Yudin, spiritual leader emeritus, congregation Shomri Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum. Good Erev Shabbos, everybody. 
Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Vayera. Parshas Vayera is a very jam-packed parsha, which shows us a great deal about the character of Avram Avinu, that he is, as we know, the Amud HaChesed, and more, as we'll speak about in a moment. And you have in the parsha number one, the incredible Hachnosas Orchim that Abram does on the third day after his circumcision when he's most pained, and he's more pained that he can't extend hospitality than the actual pain of the circumcision. So, Vayiro Elav Hashem, Hashem appears to him, how? By providing for him the opportunity for him to extend hospitality to three nomads, and he is, as we know, Emor Ma'at says a little, come, you'll rest under the tree, I'll give you some lemonade, and I'll give you a couple of cookies, and you'll go on your way. Emor Ma'at says a little, and Osa Harbei does so much, hurry up, Sarah, everything is hurry up, Zrizus, hurry up, Sarah, bake fresh brownies, and he runs, everything is done with alacrity, he runs to get uh, a good animal, Rach Vatov, and slaughters it, brings Yishmael into the picture. The whole household is involved with Chesed. And for whom? For angels. He doesn't know they're angels, but they don't eat. Yes, the Torah says they ate, and Rashi says they appear as if they ate. Incredible. You have in the parsha Avramovinu praying for Sodom. You have in the parsha once again Sarai being taken this time by Abimelech. You have <clears throat> the birth of Yitzchak. We have the sending away of both Yishmael and Hagar, and finally we have the incredible story of the Akedah. I'd like to share with you an insight into a challenging Rashi at the very beginning of the Akedah. Rashi comments on the first puzzle, whereby in second puzzle in chapter 22, Vayomer, Hashem says to Avram, Kach no, es bincha, es yechidcha, sherahavta. Take no. What does the word no mean? So the word no usually means now. Take now. Hashem is telling Avram to do this command now, as opposed to at a later time. But Rashi cites the Gemara in Sanhedrin, Peites Omidbeis, 89b, Rabbi Reb Shimon Bar Abba taught that here the word no is Lashon Bakosha. It's an expression of please. Hashem is asking Avram to please do him a favor. And Rashi quotes the Gemara, Mashal, what 
is this to be compared to to a king who had a warrior who succeeded in winning all of the battles that confronted the king. However, one day there was a particularly fierce war that confronted the king, and he says to his warrior, I beg you, I ask you please, stand firm for me in this war. Why? The people shouldn't say, Rishonos, your success in all the prior battles, there was really of less seriousness, and so they were of no substance. But now, if you succeed in this one, oh. so HaKadosh Baruch Hu similarly is saying to Abraham, please, watch, I have tested you with many tests, and we know prior to this, nine tests, and you have withstood them all. Akshav continues the Gemara, Amodli bin Isayon please stand firm for me in this trial. Shaloyomro, that people shouldn't say, a mamosh barishonim, that there was no substance to the earlier trials. Now wait a minute. How could anybody say that there was no substance to the earlier trials? If Avramavino allowed himself to be flung into a burning furnace, rather than uh, he should forsake HaKadosh Baruch Hu and he should worship idols, that's not something of substance. As soon as he arrives in Canaan, he's forced to leave Canaan because of a famine and doesn't complain to HaKadosh Baruch Hu as if to say, you promised me all kinds of blessings, and now look what I got. The fact that his wife is taken by Paro, the fact that he defeats the four kings who defeated the five kings and goes to war and risks his life and the lives of 318 men, all these, you're going to tell me, are nothing. All these are that people will say, come on, if you don't pass this test, they're going to say that whatever was done until now was insignificant. How do we understand this rather challenging Rashi and Gemara in Sanhedrin, Pites Amebez? Rav Schwab, in his Sefer, Mayon Beis Hashoeva, Rav Schwab gives a very insightful answer. And that is as follows. Of course, the first nine tests that Avram had, of course they had substance. However, what's coming up now is the following. That Avram showed himself to be a man of faith and willing to follow everything that HaKadosh Baruch Hu had asked him to do, showed that he was a remarkable tzaddik. No question about it. However, the key question is, is there mamash, 
is there something, substance to the life of Avram that he's able to transmit it to the next generation. In other words, if Avram could not transmit, give over this way of life to the next generation, then really, when he dies, it all dies with him. Mamosh explains Rav Schwab, Zechrona Levracha, is that this shows that the belief of Avraham can be transmitted to a Yitzchak and to future generations. And therefore, the greatness of the Akedah is just that. The first nine trials were against and for Avram personally, that he had to go against his nature, and he, the one who uh, is a person who wants to help anybody and everybody, that he has to send away Ishmael, that he has to send away Lot. Incredible, but it's all about him. Now, here is the opportunity to show that not only Avram, who heard it directly from Hashem, that he should take the knife and he should slaughter Yitzchak, that Avram heard it and was willing to do it, good. But that it's called Akedah. Do you know what the word Akedah means, my friends? Akedah means binding, the binding of Isaac. What a strange way to describe this entire procedure, the three-day exceptional journey that father and son do. Why is it called Akedah? And the rabbis tell us, because Yitzchak says to his Abba, a coldly bind me tighter, lest I flinch and I disqualify the korban. What does this show, my friends? It shows that even though Yitzchak did not hear it directly from God as his father did, Yitzchak heard it from a Navi, and he believed his father, that his father had such a command from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and Avram is able to pass on to Yitzchak this incredible emuna that though I don't understand, though Hashem promised that through Yitzchak would be the continuity of Avram's life's work, but if now Hashem is telling him to slaughter him, Avram is ready to do it, and Yitzchak is ready to do it. Ah, now that Yitzchak is ready to do it, this shows that the emuna, the belief that HaKadosh Baruch Hu had, that, excuse me, that Avram had in HaKadosh Baruch Hu, he was now able to transmit to Yitzchak, and Yitzchak to Yaakov, and this is in our DNA. And I say it because this is in our DNA, because we are in such a terrible crisis at the moment, and what do we see coming out of Eretz Yisrael, something which one could never have imagined, such almost, I will say, impossible emuna bitochon. We find again and again, prior to our chayolim going into war, 
they're dancing. Hashem Melech, Hashem Moloch, Hashem Yimloch, Leolam Ve'ed. They are fulfilling that which we find literally in the Torah, in Parshas Shoftim, chapter 20. Take out the Chumashim. And what does the Torah say? He says, when you go out to war and you see a horse, chariot, more numerous than you, you shall not fear them. Listen carefully, says the Torah, Lo Ki Hashem imach, Hashem is with you. Hamalcha be'eretz Mitzrayim. Now watch. When you come close to the battle, v'nigash ha'kohen v'diber Elohim, the kohen Moshuach Bochama speaks to the soldiers about to go in. V'yomar aleihem Shema Yisrael. And he says to them, listen carefully. You are coming close to the war, and he tells them not to be afraid. But what does Rashi say on those words that he says to them, Shema Yisrael, Rashi says, Afilu Ein Chus. If the only thing you have is the merit, Elokriya Shema Bilvad, the merit of the recitation of Shema Yisrael, Kedai Atem Sheyoshia Eschem. You are going to be victorious because of your Shema Yisrael. The troops, before they go into Gaza, what are they saying? They're saying Shema Yisrael. We are living to see Avram's mamash. We're living to see Avram pass on this emuna to the next generation. Unbelievable. This past week we were privileged that our Chayolim freed a female Chayal. Now watch this. There was a not yet religious newscaster who was relating on the news to Am Yisrael that she was saved and he asked for a keeper and he put on the keeper and with shame Vamalchus with God's name with tears in his eyes he recited the bracha Baruch Hashem Elokeinu Melech Olam Matir Asurim, literally the one who frees the captives. Unbelievable. We see on a video, not knowing that our daughter Ori, the female Chayal, is going to be freed in a day or two afterwards. Her mother, Margalit, does the mitzvah of Hafrosh Aschala. And while she makes the bracha, after that, what does she do? She's Miss Palil. And through her tears, what does she say? Hashem HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Ani Oheves Otach. I love you. Incredible. Where do Am Yisrael get this incredible emuna, this incredible bitachon? And we have to learn from it that we are so nervous and that we are running to hear the news, and we're so emotionally attached, but it has to be more than that. We have to believe the Amuna Shlema. I know this will have a good ending. Why this had to happen, I don't know. Why we have to go through this, I don't know. But one thing I know, we are not in this alone. One thing I know, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, 
He is the one that's in charge. And the more emuna that we have, the more HaKadosh Baruch Hu reveals himself to us and does, as we have been privileged to see, actual nisim, it should only continue. And it continues by our continuing the way of Avram and demonstrating that there was mamosh to his passing of all the tests. Finally, let's remember, in chapter 5 of Avos, there's a Mishnah that reads, there are ten generations from Noah to Avram. The next Mishnah says, HaKadosh Baruch Hu tested Avram with ten tests, but there he's referred to as Avraham Avinu. Says Rav Chaim Velazhina in his parish on Ovos, Ruach Chaim, an incredible idea. In the first Mishnah that Avraham is mentioned, he's called Avraham. But in the second Mishnah, which talks about his passing the tests, he's called Avinu. Why? Because a father passes on to their his children, it's in the DNA of the children, the characteristics of the father. How does a mother have the strength to say, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Ani Yoheves where does this strength come from? It comes from our father Avram. Where do our soldiers have the Mesiras Nefesh to go in to Gaza, putting their lives on the line and knowing that they're going to be victorious, it's coming from our father Yitzchak, who had the Mesiras Nefesh of Abba, bind me tighter. This is where we get our Emunah and our Bitoch from and Amir Hashem. With our strengthening our Emunah, HaKadosh Baruch Hu will continue to reciprocate in kind and please God bring a kfisas haderah, a quick ending to this terrible crisis that we find ourselves. But because and with Aramuna, we know that we will succeed. Shabbat Shalom to all.
Quite sure what happened there. <laughs> that was interesting. I didn't do anything and it just conked out. Anyway, I uh, hope you enjoyed the majority of that uh, Kalbach Mim Komcha here at JM in the AM. As we continue on this uh, Friday morning era of Shabbos, congratulations, Mazal Tov, to those who've uh, finished Maseches Kiddushin and Seder Nashim in the study of Talmud. Daf Yomi, one page per day. Hatzlacharaba, the best of luck to those who are beginning Baba Kama tomorrow. Uh, those of you who want to support the uh, effort that we highlighted yesterday, uh, where uh, Meat and Beyond, right? That's I believe that's the uh, that's the company. No, Meat and Board, not Meat and Beyond. Meat and Board, um, where they are sending uh, thousands of packages of beef jerky to the uh, Israeli soldiers a shelf-stable item that's quite delicious, and frankly, our soldiers need a lot of fuel out there. Anyway, it's a Chesed Fund project. You can log on right now and give what you can. Um, it would be the Chesed Fund, uh, the Chesed Fund, with one S, by the way, in Chesed. This time it's one S. The, which it should be everywhere, but that's a separate issue. TheChesedFund.com slash Meet4IDF. The uh, four is a number four. TheChesedFund.com slash Meet, M-E-A-T, four, the number four, IDF. Give what you can. I told you this is the, uh, this is Yudi Birnbaum's company. He's a cousin of mine. I know exactly what they're doing, as anybody who follows them sees with their videos. And there are a lot of very appreciative soldiers six, uh, 5,800 miles away from here. Candle lighting in New York, 530. Make sure you know when things start where you are. This will be the final Shabbos of the uh, daylight time for us. Shabbos begins uh, early in Israel, to say the least. They're already on standard time. And starting Sunday morning, we'll be back on equal footing. We will be... Uh, We'll both be on standard time. It'll be a seven-hour difference starting Sunday morning between uh, the Eastern time zone and Israel, which is the way it usually is. You heard Malcolm Holmline mention that there'll be a rally on Monday. We'll try to get all the details over the weekend. Tune in Monday morning, and I'm hoping that everybody will show up up on the Upper West Side of Manhattan this coming Monday. The uh, Washington rally they're talking about is for the 14th of November. Again, as the details come out, we'll certainly pass them along, and I'm sure they'll be all over social media. I hope we will be successful in encouraging everybody to, uh, to be in Washington that day and to take thousands of people with you in whatever way, shape, and form you can. Schools, schools, organizations, groups, families, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I believe the way things are looking right now, we'll be broadcasting from Israel that day. So I don't think we'll be around, but certainly I encourage everybody who's here to be there, meaning in Washington, and again, details as soon as we have them 
right here at JM and the AM. Full uh, schedule coming up, 10 a.m. Uh, it's uh, Mark Zomik in the Arab Shabbos show. He's on starting at 10 o'clock, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. Our Arab Shabbos music mix all day long, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. Final hour beginning at about 4.30 Eastern time. Brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. It's uh, Saturday Night Seagull with Avrami and Rabbi Eliezer's Wickler tomorrow night, starting at um, 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Then, of course, Sunday, Matis with JM Sunday, beginning starting at 7 a.m. Eastern Time. All here on the Nahum Siegel Network. You have an opportunity for great programming. And then Monday, of course, we're back here at JM in the AM. And Monday, I think we're doing our eighth day discussion on Tuesday. But Monday, don't we have a uh, scheduled guest already? Yeah. Uh, Dean Stoltz-Leike of, um, of Lander College is going to join us. We're going to be talking about Turo Campus Life and what they're doing for students at this time. Um, also on Monday in the 8 o'clock hour, we're going to check in with somebody who's an authority on Israeli kosher wine, and he's going to describe what the wineries are going through. Reservists, as you can imagine have left the workforce, including all the wineries in Israel, for the war. And there are a lot of challenges that they are undertaking right now as we continue to encourage people to buy Israeli wine and to have them uh, have them uh, on your Shabbos table tonight and tomorrow. Uh, but we'll explore more of that in the third hour on Monday right here at JM in the AM. A Nesiyat Tovah to those who are heading with the Yeshiva of Flatbush to Israel tomorrow night. It is, uh, I already got a picture from Rabbi Hertzberg of the El Al cookies <laughs> that were made to be distributed to crew, flight attendants, pilots, etc. tomorrow night as, as they board the plane. A little show of appreciation for those who are working hard these days over at uh, El Al. And um, and they'll be doing some uh, great chesed and uh, visiting a lot of important and interesting sites and people over the next few days as they undertake their solidarity missions. So kudos to Yeshiva Flatbush and best regards to Rabbi Hertzberg and Steve Adelsberg and everybody who's taking great pride in what the students, parents, and others are doing uh, for this uh, coming weekend. Um, pretty amazing, frankly. And I hope others... I mean, I know from, from Rabbi Hertzberg that a lot of other schools and organizations have reached out to him for ideas and uh, logistics, how things work. Keep asking everybody. Keep asking those who know. And hopefully you'll be on a solidarity mission very, very soon. So important and so vital in addition to the whole tourism thing. I spoke with Gavri Siegel this morning. I said to him, is the old city of Jerusalem still a ghost town? He said it absolutely is. Nothing we could do about that, really, other than try to keep uh, sending more and more people there. Uh, but uh, it went from... Uh, an area, and this, you could say this for the whole country, an area teeming with people, tourists, residents, enjoying an incredible Chag HaSukot uh, to the situation that we are in now. And that basically sums it up. So what can I tell you? And finally, again, a reminder for principals and teachers and uh, rabbis, everybody out there. We learned this lesson last week from the three Israeli soldiers who joined us during our Wednesday show. The letters to soldiers are essential. That's what I, I've gone from a waste to essential. That's how, how much I've been turned on this topic. Uh, the morale boost is amazing. Keep the letters coming. The soldiers will tell you they hang them up. They read them. They look at them. They laugh with them. Uh, some sleep with them next to their pillow just to keep a focus on who they're protecting and what they're doing and what their mission is. And that is the least we could do. And that is pretty remarkable, frankly, to say the least. Mm -hmm. 
Time to say good Shabbos, hoping for a peaceful Shabbat for all of the people of Israel around the world, our brothers and sisters in the Holy Land, and of course our IDF forces. I hope it is a quiet and peaceful Shabbat, relatively speaking. Time to say good Shabbos with Journeys at JM and the AM. The sun is going down It's shining through the trees Another week's gone by Become a memory So throw away your hammer There's nothing left to do Say good job Cause all your work is done Gonna spend the day Together with The Holy One Say a special blessing On a cup That's filled with wine Man and his creator It's a very special sign your candles will be burning They'll fill your home with light Singing songs of Shabbos Well into the night So throw away your hammer There's nothing left to do Brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners, sponsored digital radio. 
around the world of web at com on the Nahum Siegel Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. Wraps up an amazing day and an amazing week for us here at JM and the AM. Coming up next, it'll be um, amazing music. And then Mark Zomik and the Arab Shabbos show begins at 10 a.m. Eastern time. Brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. Enjoy of our great weekend programming. Monday morning, we're back starting at 6 a.m. Details about the rallies, etc. at that time. And um, continue to pray for our brothers and sisters in Israel and keep them in mind. Keep them in mind constantly. And if you're a leader of any type in our community, make sure your constituents keep them in mind constantly. Have a peaceful Shabbat. Good weekend. Till Monday morning, Nachum Siegel reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.